1: ESG has become established as a key business theme as companies and investors seek to navigate the climate crisis, energy transition, social megatrends, mounting regulatory attention, and pressure from other stakeholders. The rapidly evolving landscape has become inundated with acronyms, buzzwords, and lingo. We aim to break these down with industry experts. Welcome to ESG Currents, brought to you by Bloomberg Intelligence, your guide to navigating the evolving ESG space one topic at a time. I am Gail Glazerman, Senior ESG Integration Analyst. And
2: I'm Eric Kane, Director of ESG Research, and we're your hosts for today's episode. Today, we're talking about ESG disclosure with Jeff Hales and Verity Chagar, who, as members of the International Sustainability Standards Board, or ISSB, are literally setting global standards for reporting. We'll discuss the consolidation of the ESG reporting space, trends in corporate ESG reporting, and ISSB priorities moving forward. Jeff and Verity, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Thanks for inviting us.
3: Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here.
2: And for those who probably don't know, this is a bit of a family reunion of sorts. Uh, Jeff, Verity, Gail, and I were all at SASB at various points uh, in, in our career and have worked together uh, in the past. So it's really fun to, to get the gang back together. Um, and again, really appreciate you both taking the time to, to chat with us. With that, maybe I'll pass over to Gail for our first question.
1: Hi, yeah, and just to clarify on the family reunion, I don't take it personally that Eric um, left SASB my first day um, on the job, but (laughs) (laughs) have gotten to catch up with him later, obviously, at Bloomberg. Um, Wanted to start the discussion today uh, talking about recent trends in reporting to standards, particularly, I guess, the legacy SASB standards, or potentially the new um, ISSB S1 and S2. are you seeing any just general trends, particularly in terms of the quality of reporting, just to start?
3: Yeah, it's a it's a it's a great question. Um, I think one of the ways I think about this is that uh, it's it's been pretty apparent that that companies have been on different places in their journey toward high quality sustainability disclosure, um, and and they've they've often started from different points, and that. As often depended on, you know, what what type of company they were. So sometimes it came out of like the the health and safety issues in one industry. It might have been more customer oriented or philanthropic in some industries. Um, and uh, and so as they've found sustainability disclosures to be more important to uh, to communicate on and to manage internally. And as that conversation has turned more toward. The, the capital markets, I think one of the things that I've seen is that that that's had a lot of consequences for the way that we even think about what is what is high quality disclosure look like? Um, you know, and there's been a lot that's happened as part of that, like the standards have been changing, but the expectations have been changing, too. And, you know, I just think it. you know, when an investor audience starts to get involved, that changes the nature of of what is expected, and and Verity would know because you know she's she's been on the receiving end of information for a long time and has expectations about about what she would she would want and you know and, and how that's probably changed over time.
0: It's true. I've read a lot of reports and and have kept looking and trying to turn stones over to get those answers. Um, and I think that's why I am on the board now is is to kind of bring these uh, investor views to the conversation. But Jeff, I I think you are right. One one thing I am noticing is kind of a You know, there are new roles now at corporates that never used to exist. Something like an ESG controller wasn't around when SASB was first founded. And that kind of title role just shows that there is a modernization, a sophistication, sort of a recognition by companies now that sustainability really is about core value. And it's about um, the core business and and what uh, investors need to know about the core business not only has to do with the most recent reported 12 months, but also sort of how that business is going to be viable and successful in the coming years, uh, because that's what investors want too. They want to grow their capital um, and get their returns. So this sort of elevation is what we're hoping to do with the ISSB with the benefit of the materials from SASB and integrated reporting and other, other um, assets that we have now under the IFRS foundation umbrella is kind of elevate and, Uh, what our colleague Elizabeth Seeger says is sort of bringing the the rigor of accounting to sustainability disclosure and sort of elevating the disclosures for investors.
3: Just a couple of thoughts maybe on that. Uh, there's academic research and I I should also fully disclose that I am a a part-time member of the the ISSB uh, and also a faculty member at the University of Texas where I teach and and research on sustainability uh, issues generally, but corporate sustainability specifically. And uh, and some of the academic research that I've worked on, and that others that I, I know uh, are currently working on, have looked at things like like disclosure trends in sustainability. Uh, and they, you know, there's research out there looking at um, what what a, what are companies saying in their sustainability reports. There are. Uh, and there's research out there looking at what are companies saying in their regulatory filings. Uh, I have a particular project where we talk about like uh, we, we investigate what are companies talking about in their conference calls. And, and we're using machine learning and linguistic analysis to actually quantify the content uh, of the words and see like how these narratives are changing. And what we're seeing, uh, I think the way I would sort of synthesize that is uh, more convergence and a lot of convergence around Around things that are financially material, that seems to be what the research seems to be pointing to, and uh, and so it's removing some of the the uh, company specific. Um, present your best story for the type of company that you'd like to be viewed as uh, and pushing it more to, but what are the things that you're expected to talk about? Whether you want to talk about those things or not, I think investors are very good at saying, but I still need answers to this. And then uh, we do see companies disclosing more. So uh, hopefully that's helpful for giving a sense of how uh, we've seen a bit of this um, uh, shift in the conversations that are taking place over time
1: for sure and i think you both touched on this a little bit but to what degree do you have concern that the markets are conflating reporting with actual performance or do you have a sense that maybe we've moved past that and now the markets really are looking at you know what the data companies are reporting on esg actually means and whether they're making progress towards goals and and assessing how this impacts our actual financial performance
0: yeah i mean it's a good question. And I think some, um, you know, some other stakeholders might ask this as, you know, are is this disclosure just for disclosure's sake? You know, which I don't think we're, we're here for. Um, we are providing market infrastructure that sort of helps facilitate this communication, this dialogue between companies and their External providers of capital, in other words, capital seekers and capital allocators. You know, the, together the capital markets. Um, but standards can really help um, companies sort of compete for capital when investors with global portfolios are trying to figure out where to to put that capital to its best um, use and um, get the best return. So, so it's a it's a mechanism for helping companies. Yes, um, show their actual performance, but I think the the companies that are really thinking about it in the in the best light are really thinking about um, a more integrated strategic view. So, you know, we have that TCFD architecture that talks about governance and strategy, risk management, metrics, and targets. When we when I was an analyst analyzing companies and reading their reports. I was reading all of the risks sections. You know, if you invest, you might lose money because of this reason or that reason or this reason or that reason. But here we've got the strategy component that says what the company is doing about that, how they're mitigating that risk, how they've assessed their position. And so I think it's a little bit more about that, taking it to the next level to help hear from companies with smart leaders who want to do well and help the company perform well. Um, are are now having a place to explain to their investors what they need to know about how the company is going to do and position itself and what that might cost them to do to be well-positioned in the future market, um, the financial effects of those decisions and the strategic positions. Um, so I think that is the kind of information. And then, of course, we've got the metrics that help companies um, really uh, explain and demonstrate their performance in executing their strategy for that reason.
3: So maybe one way to like uh, uh, put that into another context that I'm very familiar with is to think about uh, when when I'm speaking to my students and I'm wondering where their level of knowledge is in terms of like acquiring the information from class. If I ask a question and say, who can answer that? Uh, or who wants to come up to the to the front of the room and work through that? Um, as soon as the hands go up, I know who already knows the answer, right? So so disclosure, in that sense, is a proxy for performance when there's sort of voluntary responses. But in a world where you need to know, how everybody's actually learning and you can't use that. What you need is you need need like an exam where you can say like, like, tell me on these key issues, what's going on, like what do you actually know? And so I think from a corporate perspective in the early years, when something like SASB or TCFD or now the ISSB is emerging, if it's a voluntary choice that companies have to, to, to report on something, Many of the early adopters, and I have some research that, that supports this, like they, they tend to be good performers. So it, it is like that disclosing is, in a sense, a proxy for good performance to a degree. But what the markets really need is they need something more like an exam where you've asked common questions to to, you know, common participants and you know, students in a sense. And you've got then a benchmark. For performance, and that's ultimately what these standards are meant to do: is is provide some common benchmarks for comparison. Uh, but you only really get that, and you only see performance um, being, in a sense, uh, you know, affecting capital in the same way. I think when when there's wide enough disclosure across companies that it's no longer meaningful just to be reporting. It's actually what do you say that is the is the dominant force there.
1: And, uh, Verity, Eric can attest to this, but I'm obsessed with that type of strategy and opportunity and risk reporting that companies are doing. And if anybody hasn't looked at that type of reporting, sometimes it can be truly enlightening because when you see one company saying that they have this huge risk or huge opportunity, and then a key competitor in the exact same business line says... Um, You know, we really don't. Like climate, not a big deal for us when someone else is saying there's billions of dollars of impact. Um, You know, it can be enlightening. I guess just one last one. And I don't know if this is going to be something you've come across in terms of the feedback and interactions you've had. Um, in terms of the ISSB or Jeff, anything you've come across in your research, but have you seen any trends either from the corporate side or in the investor side where corporations are maybe more reluctant to provide information in light of the ESG pushback that seems to be spreading across the world or um, on the other side, investors actually demanding more um, in light of the scrutiny that they're under in terms of um, accountability
0: on fund labeling and marketing? I'll, I'll start, Jeff, you chime in here, but we, you know, we got a lot of comments from stakeholders uh, around the world when we had our drafts um, and as we were making our decisions. And so when we were, um, you know, when we first exposed our, our climate standard, IFRS 2, we were asking for um, companies to to disclose information about, for example, their climate resilience and to provide or to use scenario analysis to do that. And these were concepts that some companies had been using internally and others um, felt a lot of trepidation about uh, putting out there in the world. They had concerns that they wouldn't do it right, that their best effort guess wouldn't be satisfactory. They had you know, concerns that some investors might even sue them as a result, or maybe even some other policymakers might sue them as a result of doing their best faith effort in putting, um, you know, their the best available information out there. So I think it's, um, you know, it's a concern that we heard from companies and I think honestly, companies want to put their best foot forward. You know, I think there's a lot of smart, um, uh, and, and dedicated, uh, corporate, uh, Principals and, and managers who are really trying to turn around their business and make it something that they're proud of for the future economy, for the low carbon economy, and so they really are working hard. But there are just limitations in the marketplace. There are just there's just so much science we know. There's just so many models available, and so many of those things that are available at a price that a company can afford, for example, and that gives you a, a certain level of confidence in your in your um, Calculations and estimates. So, what I think, what I feel good about is our decisions and deliberations when we knew that this was information that investors wanted, but we checked with them would an estimate be okay? We heard a resounding yes that investors want some kind of information, they want even an indication. Um, and uh, they don't need an actual precise number that would take you know, every last employee and every last dollar in the treasury to come up with a precise number with the highest possible confidence, hiring Jeff and all his students and everybody else out there who could give them you know, the highest quantitative answers. But you know, the, but an, an estimate is an okay thing, that this is actually a routine thing that company leaders already do in the normal course of business and providing material information to investors. They make estimates, they make assumptions that this is part of running a business and looking to the future and that investors accept some level of assumption. Jeff, what would you add to that?
3: You know, I in thinking about some of the, you know, the implications of of concerns around um, what can be thought of as a bit of this, this ESG backlash. I, I you know, I think I've I've definitely and at least anecdotally, I haven't necessarily seen this in research just yet, but I think anecdotally, there have been companies talking about trying to uh, uh, be more careful. They're not assuming that that just talking about this uh, on its own, uh, you know, as, as a as sort of like a hot topic is is going to be a, 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 a big plus, a big positive. Uh, you know, in some ways, that's made companies a little more circumspect. Um But I think that's also not the worst thing in the world. And I think, um, well, they should be talking about their sustainability issues because they're core to how they need to be understood as a business. And if that's true, then I would hope that they would still have those conversations. If they only wanted to have the conversation because they thought uh, it was kind of a hot topic that people wanted them to talk about, then that might not have been the most important conversation to be happening uh, in the first place. When I think about what maybe this also means for, you know, fund managers and uh, and a bit of the you know the products side. Uh, I think there's it's it, it probably is appropriate to to make sure that that uh, the scramble to make money and attract interest in where there you know there seems to be a lot of interest in capital flowing that direction, making sure that that those investment vehicles are are fit for purpose and uh, and that there's truth in advertising around all of that. And so, you know, the SEC's recent considerations, you know, amendments around uh, their ESD disclosures uh, for investment advisors and investment companies, I think has led to very real changes in the way that even – Asset managers and investment companies that were out there doing a good job of this have, have been a little more careful in the way they describe what it is that they're what, they're what they're what they're doing or what they're trying to do. I think they're being more careful with their words. And uh, as long as that doesn't lead to less performance on on the underlying issues that that are most important um, from, you know, a fiduciary's perspective or, or from a corporate perspective in terms of managing the long term interests of their business, I think some of that like um, uh, some of that is is probably okay, especially if it means that we're just being more careful to, to be clear around what it is we're we're talking about and, and why we're you know, investing in, in different types of activities or or different types of investment products and what, what that what it, that even means.
0: Yeah, and, and what we're talking about is the stuff that matters for the business, right? The, the stuff that kind of drives value or indicates that value will grow or diminish. And so with that clear focus, it's hard to say that it's really, um, anything to do with this, um, you know, ESG backlash sideshow going on? It's not really about policy objectives. It's really about that value and and being clear about what it is, and then clearly communicating that value. Um, so I think companies who are recognizing that are are being willing to disclose the information that that needs to be disclosed because it's really about regular business operations.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of interesting points to follow up on there, including the, the use of the term "hot topic," which I like. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second. But one one question uh, that I had before we get there is, you know, I think we were just talking about the pushback to ESG, and I think one of the longstanding excuses that some corporates have used in not reporting, or even some investors in not using information, is that it's it's too complicated, right? That there are too many different frameworks out there. We know SASB merged with IRRC and then CDSB more recently taking responsibility for TCFD. Um, I'm curious, is, is it your view that this is all getting more simplified? Is it more complicated now? Where, where do we
3: stand? Well, you know, the way I would think about it is the system is a 100% simplifier for sure. Um, but but i think when it comes to the issue of global companies managing the the sustainability issues that that matter and that are that matter to investors who want to invest in those companies or considering to doing considering doing that, and also that matter to the, you know, the governments and, and jurisdictions that, that allow those companies to be, for example, publicly listed or to have operations uh, in those different jurisdictions, that, that is running a global business is a complicated uh, task. And, and so the simplification that is going on is not making a complicated world fundamentally Uh, Suddenly, like a simple thing to understand, Uh, but but the 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 landscape of the of the relevant frameworks and standards that are have been out there and developed over years for a lot of good reasons. That is hundred percent simplifying and consolidating, and. Uh, and transition itself is its own form of complication. So as it as it's consolidating, it still is tricky to be understood. Um, so it's not the easiest thing to wrap your head around just yet. But it will be, and it will be relatively soon. And so I'm I'm actually not too worried about that. Uh, and I think the other important thing uh, to to mention here, though, is that that the the development of of standards that can can be um, uh, efficiently used by companies to communicate on the core issues that matter to their operations you know using this like industry focus that that SASB has traditionally used and that the ISSB has embraced that is of course a complicated task in order to do it but we did that work we started that work over a decade ago and the ISSB is continuing to embrace it because if if standard setters tackle the complicated issue, it then becomes a lot easier for companies to get the the relevant guidance for the type of business that they have. And not have to do like a one size fits all that isn't exactly going to be relevant and might look more like a compliance exercise, and that also gets investors doesn't really sacrifice on, on the on the core content that investors need on a given issue. And so, so there will be some complexity that remains in the system, but I think I think of it as like the the, the part of the complexity that's necessary, and we don't want to add complexity that's unnecessary.
2: Absolutely, that makes sense. So I guess maybe. Something that kind of links the concept of Hot Topic and, and perhaps increased uh, complexity is, is biodiversity. It's a topic that we've all been hearing a lot about, especially since COP15 uh, last fall. The landmark agreements that came out of that, uh, we know that you know, ISSB has done some, some work on the topic before. And then you know very recently, we saw the release of the um, TNFD disclosure framework. And for those who don't know, uh, TNFT is a task force on nature-related financial disclosure. So I happened to see uh, an article uh, today in environmental finance suggesting that if this framework were to be uh, kind of incorporated into ISSB, it would, it would require some some trimming down, some some editing. Curious to hear kind of your thoughts on very specific topics like biodiversity and ultimately how disclosure is evolving there and then how this ultimately comes back to, you know, ISSB
1: guidance.
0: So I think um, on on biodiversity, you you probably know that we put out a request for information on our own agenda priorities. And one of the questions we asked the market was to tell us sort of what kind of research should the ISSB undertake in its future uh, work plan. And and we did ask about um, biodiversity and, and um, ecosystem services, we call it. And um, and we also asked the market um, to tell us what is what are useful frameworks to start from. We Um, are happy to shamelessly borrow the best from what exists in the marketplace and kind of continue this consolidation of what the market finds is useful. And I think we've heard good, we've heard feedback from market participants and our stakeholders that that is actually very useful. And of course, companies that are disclosing to certain frameworks, you know, have a leg up and and investors get the benefit of getting the total market to kind of create this global baseline of information that's comparable across their total portfolios. So we are looking forward to hearing that feedback specifically about um, whether biodiversity is a priority for the stakeholders. We're going to be sort of evaluating that feedback over time. I guess what I will be looking forward to hearing from, is um, is that something that our stakeholders here, and of course, i am always got an, uh, an ear extra open for the investors, you know, the users of these ultimate disclosures, the beneficiaries of this information. Is it something that they are expecting from sort of every company? Is this sort of a cross-cutting issue? Is it something that they think shows up more uh, for certain business activities or certain business models? And I was just... Um, reviewing some of the SASB materials we have, which support application of S1 and help companies think about what are the risks and opportunities likely to be relevant for their business and likely to relate to their future financial prospects and therefore what information is material that they need to deliver to investors. Um, you know, we have the uh, in SASB, we, we already have some ecosystem services showing up and I was just happened to be looking at the leisure facilities um, industry standard which talks about that so you can imagine how a hotel next to a coral reef would benefit from that proximity to you know a, a very natural thing that benefits our whole globe but what impact does it have on the health of that coral reef you know how does it benefit how does it care and and this is something that you kind of get to begin to see how a corporate entity Uh, benefits from this natural capital, if you like, but also has an influence on the success and longevity and that resource being able to continue to be a resource, not only for its own entity, but also for, um, you know, other stakeholders. And so how it kind of manages that resource, and this is, I'm just thinking of one site in one place, but you can imagine an, a company that has many of these sites at many of these locations that are dependent on and benefit from, but where they could maybe in, ensure the longevity of that uh, resource for, for greater benefit, not only to itself, but, but to a larger ecosystem how all of this kind of relates it's hard for me to imagine that for a software company as much as a uh, directly tangibly affected by that ecosystem services but um you know i'm i'm looking forward to learning from that feedback and and eager to find out what we hear
2: absolutely so i've already mentioned the idea that issb was you know getting feedback on potential areas of focus for additional research. You mentioned biodiversity or ecosystem services. What are some of the other areas that you may be pursuing going forward?
0: We expect we're gonna get a lot of recommendations for a lot of wide ranging projects. The ones we really specifically asked for feedback were um, inclusive of biodiversity and ecosystem services, human capital management, human rights, and integration and reporting. And um, if you're listening closely, you'll hear that those are sort of three sort of more th- sustainability themes, if you like. And then one is a bigger project that kind of looks to not only um, what kind of information would belong in sustainability disclosures or, uh, you know, a, a more um, sophisticated, you know, general purpose financial reporting package, but also could point to how the ISSB could work together um over the future with our sister board, the IASB. So the International Accounting Standards Board sets IFRS accounting standards um, and our sustainability disclosures are designed to be fully compatible with IAS, but also are GAAP agnostic so that a company using Japanese GAAP or US GAAP could also pick up ISSB standards and apply them. So it'll, it'll be interesting to hear sort of where the market points us and. That's something we're going to discuss over the next public board meetings um, over the coming months. So stay tuned.
2: We will indeed, for sure.
0: And I guess just one quick follow-on on that. Is
1: there anything going on in terms of industry-specific, or are you only looking at that in terms of the broader projects right now?
3: Yeah, it's a, that's a great question. Uh, sometimes when a topic comes up, it sounds like it would... people. I think the impression is that people think, well, if you're, if you're addressing a topic, then... Every company would have to report on the topic. But one of the things that's super important is to remember that, that we're very much focused on what investor needs are, and investors are focused on the issues that, that could affect a business's prospects. So it's really got to be central to uh, a given company's operation. So so it's quite likely that that any work that we do on any topic would would both consider sort of a top-down approach in terms of like here's an issue, what might it affect uh, in terms of the types of companies that are out there and the related issues, but also sort of a bottom-up approach of thinking about, well, in which different industries does uh, does this type of topic manifest and in what sorts of ways? and are there places where it's you know relatively, more prominent, more pronounced, more likely to be a universal issue. Uh, and so so um, uh, maybe warrant an industry lens to that. Uh, so that's one important thing to think about the work that we're likely to do. It's always likely to have a lens an eye toward that to make sure that we're we're addressing issues in a way that's cost effective and, and relevant to investor needs, but there's a lot of industry work that's ongoing because we, uh, you know, the, the SASB standards belong to the ISSB now, and so we have been quite actively working on making sure that we're continuing to uh, enhance and, and improve those standards and. And one of the things that we've been working on is really trying to, to round out some of the, the, the international applicability of, of the standards, because they were originally uh, addressed for uh, U.S. companies, but uh, but for for years now they've been used uh, by by companies around the world, and we've been um, working to to make sure that that a reference in the standards that uh, could provide useful information in one jurisdiction it can also be used in other jurisdictions as well in a way that's cost effective and if not make sure that we've got the right kind of guidance that applies to companies around the the globe as well as uh, companies that operate uh, in multiple jurisdictions around the globe so we've got uh, a lot of ongoing work in in that area as well
1: all right and i know we're running a bit low on time and this might be a can of worms i probably shouldn't open but i'm going to anyway Um, so you've both have touched on uh, financial materiality in a lot of different ways. I think you actually both mentioned core issues that matter. You put it in the context of what investors want. And I guess just the question there is, is your sense in the context of ISSB that investors as well as, I guess, the uh, country-specific Um, drivers and and governments are comfortable with that approach. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that a couple of weeks ago when the EU seemed to be taking a step back more towards maybe a financial materiality versus double materiality, um, how much pushback there seemed to be from the investment community over that. Um, So I'm just curious, is is that said, are you comfortable with that? Are your stakeholders comfortable with, with that focus on financial materiality right now?
3: I think we've got widespread support for the focus on on the needs of investors. And so whether we call that financial materiality or or use some other term, we're really thinking about users of general purpose financial reports. When you uh, pick up financial statements to make decisions about allocating capital, uh, we want you to be able to also have right at that same time the relevant information on sustainability issues that could affect that company's prospects. And so we just feel like that's really important. Um, and one of the things that I've you know struggled a little bit with is is whether some of this is uh, a lack of uh, really sort of like talking past uh, each other. Sometimes I think sometimes um, I think investors are quite reasonably concerned that that maybe a focus on financial materiality is going to be too narrow in the sense that it won't address things that that would affect their decision to allocate capital. But if they're assessing that company's risks and opportunities and in investing capital on the basis of that, because it's going to affect the company's prospects, that is that is what we think of as, as being part of financial materiality. Now, if most investors aren't uh, thinking about that, then that may not make it into the standards if we can't find a lot of support for that. Uh, it's not just you know we're not taking the sum total of what any investor cares about we're looking for the the common sorts of in, uh, uh issues that that tend to be used in capital allocation but that is what we mean by that um and uh and sometimes it's uh it's not always clear what uh, i think some, sometimes they they think that um uh that we don't we don't intend to include the things that that we would include if there was evidence that that investors were allocating capital on that. I think the other concern that comes up is sometimes people think, but wait, uh, capital market needs won't won't solve all of the world's problems, and uh, I, and I agree. Uh, you know, I think that that you know we we have uh, governments that, that exist to 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 make decisions about what's right for their jurisdictions, their communities, their citizens, uh, and uh, and and we also have uh, have philanthropies that exist to, to to meet lots of needs that are important that there isn't a great market solution for and that governments maybe aren't um, uh, providing a service for and all of those things like governments and nonprofits are going to continue to exist because uh, a capital market focus won't solve all of the things that might matter from a global perspective but I but I but I think that it's it's important to make sure that. Each of those functions, each of those levers, gets the information that, that they need. That's relevant to their focus and and their mandates. Um, and and mixing muddling up the information isn't actually going to like help the, the system to to work together more effectively. I don't think at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think I just want to add, if I can, that um, you know companies have been going through this hard decision of identifying what is material to investors for a long time. That's how they decide what goes into their existing financial reports to investors for the audience. That is the same audience that we're aiming to to meet. However, what does make a difference to those audi- to that audience, to those investors, is not the same as what mattered 20 years ago. People are asking about how are you attracting and retaining the right employees, because you need to have the right brains building the best products to take the the most market share. Um, You know, we call that human capital, but it's a question that maybe didn't come up as much before. Um, I think, you know, questions about corporate governance are much more specific and explicit now than they used to be before the um, GFC, the financial crisis. And similarly, you know, questions um, about climate are just also about business. If you can't, Ensure your assets because there are too many natural disasters happening in the market where you operate, and you can't transfer that risk. Well, that's a bigger financial risk to the providers of capital that are underwriting your business, and so um, these things are related in a way um, that I think is is part of the the conversation, and and so understanding that that bigger set of information that relates to how a company's risks and opportunities manifest and kind of retain or grow that value is, is just a different, more complex and, and uh, more sophisticated conversation now.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, there's so much to, to follow up on there. I wish we had another hour. Or so, um, J- Jeff, I really like the idea of you know people continuing to, to talk past each other. Um, I don't like the idea, but I like that the description of, of that. I think it's definitely a, an issue that we continue to face. Um, you know, we did a study recently actually where we looked at our ESG scores universe, which is about 15,000 companies, and we were trying to answer this question of materiality versus impact, right? And it's my view, and I think probably aligned with with both of what you're saying that these concepts are not always uh, mutually exclusive as people who continue to talk past each other might lead you to believe. So what we did was we used our issue priorities, basically saying, well, these are the industries for which we think greenhouse gas emissions is the most important issue. And it was about 18 industries within our broader set of 100 industries, only about 2200 companies again out of 15000 and we found that these companies were responsible for about 85% of the indexes emissions right so in my mind it just makes that point that if you're really focused on financial materiality these are the industries that are ultimately going to have you know costs associated with emissions for example these are also the industries that, if you're looking from an impact standpoint, and you're looking to decarbonize certain industries, these are the ones that you want to focus on. If you focus on, you know, the other, you know, s- chunk of companies, you're you're kind of not really using your, your time wisely. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to to point that out. But any any kind of closing thoughts on on that? Or,
3: you know, an example I like to use all the time is uh, thinking about businesses in the economy is kind of like thinking about um, uh, different parts of a track team. You know, there are a lot of events that that are involved in, in, in track and field. And if you could think of like a measure of, of what might make someone a good athlete, uh, you know, there are lots of them, but you wouldn't want to have just one way to measure like what's a good athlete for all these different events because running fast is different than jumping over things or throwing heavy things far and uh and so so you really need the right measures for the right sort of event and and sometimes when we have this conversation around materiality people say but wait something like you know X, Y, or Z from a physical standpoint is like, that's a, that's part of being a good athlete is, as you would, you know, have a low resting heart rate as well as you would be able to run fast. And like, sure, those would all be measures of fitness, but they wouldn't all be equally relevant for different kinds of events. And that is uh, that's obvious on a, a track and field team. And, and it should be obvious for, for industries, but, but I think we often have this conversation at such a high level that we're talking about fitness and people say like, well, if it's fitness and fitness matters. And so you ought to just like report on that. It's like, it's not, it's, it's not, it's a, that's a little too high level to actually have a meaningful conversation
1: about this sometimes.
0: Well, as somebody who played field hockey and lacrosse, uh, I just want to say, uh, you know, I'm happy to be on this team. It's nice to see some of my former teammates out there doing good stuff. And I'm talking uh, about you, Gail and Eric, and, uh, just just thinking about, you know, team uh, IFRS Foundation and, and all the good work that the, the staff is, is uh, providing. Um, it, it's a pleasure and an honor to be trying to contribute to something that's a, a solution here. We're really trying to provide a solution for uh, investors and, and for companies who want to, um, you know, compete at the, at the global level. And, and I think we're going to get there. That is a very encouraging note to end
1: on. I will say um, we only scratched the surface of the things we wanted to talk about. So hopefully we can do this again sometime, but Verity and Jeff, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your insights today. Um, You can find more information on ESG data reporting and regulatory developments by going to the markets tab on the ESG team dashboard, BI ESG Go on the Bloomberg terminal. If you have an ESG quandary or burning questions you'd like to ask BI's expert analysts, send us an email at esgcurrents at bloomberg.net. Thank you for joining us today.
3: Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk?
0: Then we have just the show for you.